0: defibrillator. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Monday, January 24th, 2022. The word of the day is defibrillator. I don't care who you're rooting for. What is your National Football League team? You're watching the divisional divisional ra- day. De- <laughs> it's Monday. Just another manic Monday. 4869. Defibrillator. Nothing personal. Word of the day i don't really care who you root for but if you're watching the divisional round playoffs over the last two days you needed a defibrillator that's the thing that brings you back to life we got to start with the last game first we're going to talk about maybe each game but we have to start with the chiefs bills game i don't recall a game like it the game that came to mind and this aged me a little bit before i ever moved to florida in 2002 there was a game, may have been in the 80s, Coca between the Dolphins and the Chargers. The one where Kellen Winslow was famously taken off the field. You had Dan Fouts going against who I assume, or I remember to be Dan Marino, and the Chargers won. That game may have been played at the Orange Bowl where we ended up building Marlins Park. A game that goes back and forth, back and forth. We had games like that in baseball. When we're watching a, uh, a game, with the GM and we're looking at the players, we're looking at the game unfold. Every game, when you start, you are just waiting for the concert to be written. It's like an artist when you have a blank canvas and as the game continues, there's different brushstrokes, there's different styles. And then it's not sort of Bob Ross, but a picture comes to life during the course of a game. And there are plenty of the games that we look at and we're watching and we say, God, we're glad we're at home because the team who bats last, they're going to win. You just, you just, no one can get anybody out and that's the feeling you have. It was 41 1982, unbelievable, Coca. Do you remember that game? <laughs> that may be before many of you were born, but go back and look at the highlights of that game and you will be staggered talk about leaving everything on the field. So I'm watching the Chiefs and the Bills. I am incredibly in awe of Josh Allen. I am confirming to you that he's better than Sam Darnold, but that's another story. I'm thinking about Patrick Mahomes and the bonuses that he gets for MVP and Super Bowl MVP as part of his monster contract. I'm thinking about the fact that these two quarterbacks are under contract, I think, until 2028 and beyond. One of them till 28, Allen till 28, Mahomes till 31. I'm thinking about how great it must be for these front offices. They can't focus on it during that game, but certainly as they look at their team, they realize that they don't have the type of quarterback issues that so many teams have going through quarterbacks the way many people go through underwear, trying to figure out what they're gonna do at that position. These two teams do not have that issue. Two great head coaches Two great defenses, except there was very little defense to be had. Nobody was getting a stop. We're getting down to the end of the game. It had already been a weekend of close games. There was no way there was going to be another great game, but yet it was the fourth great game in a row. Two minutes to go, and all of a sudden there's a score, and then a score, and then a score. It can't be. Patrick Mahomes gets the ball, 13 seconds to go. Needs a field goal to tie and he gets it. Two pass plays, and he gets it. I want to mention two things about strategy that I would like you to think about that I've had many an argument with people, and last night's game proved once and for all that I am analytics be damned. When I'm coaching a team or running an NFL team, I have many rules, but the number one rule is I will never, underscore never, I don't care if it is third and one from the two-yard line. I don't care if it's fourth and one from the two-yard line. I'm going to get extreme here, but stay with me. I am not calling a timeout in the third quarter or the first quarter, but let's talk about the second half more. I am not wasting a timeout to save five yards and a delay of game penalty. Every NFL team gets three timeouts per half, hard stop. As the play clock winds down, you have 40 seconds to do a play in the NFL, in between plays. Talk about pace of action. 40 seconds after a play, the play clock starts, it's running down, and all of a sudden the formation's wrong. You've got the wrong personnel. You're freaking out. What do you do? Many times, the majority of the time, a player, a quarterback, or a coach will call a timeout. They'll reset the play clock. They'll reset their personnel and then do their play. And I say to myself, that's very nice that you're going to save the five yards because that is the penalty when you don't get the playoff in time. But you may need that timeout later in the game. I have had that point of view since I got into baseball. So for at least 20 years, I have thought about the trades that people make during a game, what's worth it. I've seen reports that saving the five yards in certain circumstances is critical if you're at a third and three you've got 49 plays in your playbook if you're at third and eight because you give up the five yards to save the timeout, you're down to 12 plays in your arsenal i've seen it all but at the end of a game if you are down and you have a two-minute drive it's called a two-minute drive when there's two minutes or a fewer to go in the game and you've got a score either a touchdown or a field goal time are gold they're the only currency that matters and the reason they matter is that with timeouts you can use the middle of the field toward the end of the game as opposed to having to get out of bounds and only using sideline plays the kansas city chiefs got the ball with 13 seconds to go after a miracle unbelievable drive by josh allen to take the lead after they lost the lead after they'd taken the lead Oi. but Patrick mahomes had three timeouts and 13 seconds to go. For reasons unbeknownst to me, here's how it works in the National Football League. When you kick the ball off, the clock starts when somebody touches it and not the kicker's hands. So with 13 seconds to go, if you kick it inbounds, meaning you don't kick it through the end zone, it forces the team to catch it. Or if you squib it, meaning you hit it hard on the ground to get it deep into the other team's territory, but it requires someone to touch it, then one or two or three of the 13 seconds would tick off. But the Buffalo Bills kicked off as though it was to start the game, a normal kickoff, or a 7 nothing lead with eight minutes left in the first quarter. Kicks it through the end zone. Mahomes gets the ball. New rule at the 25. That may be a few years old, but that's where get the ball. Completes two passes. They've got timeouts to work with. All three timeouts. They use the middle of the field twice. Call timeout. Kick a tying field goal. We're going to overtime. This is where it got a little cuckoo. In the National Football League, overtime is a very simple rule. There's a coin flip like the beginning of the game. In the old days, pre-analytics, when you win the coin toss, you get the ball. Unless you had a great defense, in which case you give the ball. Now... It is the thing to do. Every team does it. When you win the toss, it's something called defer. Not deferring from school. Not deferring a decision. You're saying, I defer. I will give you the ball to start the game, and I'll take the ball in the second half. Blah, blah, blah. No problem. But in overtime, when you win the toss, you don't defer. You take the ball because the rules in the NFL are that if you score a touchdown in the first possession of overtime, the game is O-V-E-R and the other team never gets a chance. It is the equivalent in a baseball game in extra innings to the team in the top of the 10th hitting a home run and then the game's over. It's a walk-off home run in the top of an inning. Well, that can't happen. You always give the home team the chance to have what you called when you were kids, last licks. Co, could you still say that? It's last licks. We want last licks. We get last licks. That means you get a chance to tie or go ahead and win when you are the home team. It's one thing I always loved about extra innings when I was at a home game, that We'd always have a chance for a walk-off. This could be our moment. So if you're tied after the top of the ninth, you know that you have a chance to walk off a game no matter what. So the Chiefs win the toss. And in a game like yesterday, Roger Goodell is watching. The owner of the Bills, the owner of the Chiefs, the presidents, the GMs, the coaches, everyone's watching. They're looking at the coin toss. Josh Allen, the flip goes up. He calls tails prior to the flip because of that crazy thing that happened years ago where there was some confusion over what he called, but it was clear. You call it before the flip. Tails. Tails, he said. The coin goes in the air. It's in slow motion, flipping end over end. It falls toward the ground as the Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills players, captains in the middle of the field, the entire worldwide audience looking, what will it be? Because that will be the end of the game because the defenses in this game at the end of the fourth, they couldn't stop at any of these quarterbacks. And then it flips on its side, falls over. There's a moment of, huh! and the referee calls heads. I knew it was heads because I was looking at the players, not the coin, couldn't see it, not the umpire, couldn't hear them. I was looking for the reaction, and the Kansas City Chiefs player put his hands in a motion that indicated they had won the toss. And with that, I said the Kansas City Chiefs are going to their fourth straight AFC championship. They get the ball, Patrick Mahomes drives downfield, and as sure as night follows day, touchdown. Kansas City Chiefs win in a walkoff. People in Buffalo are upset. People around the league are wondering, what do we do about this overtime rule? This is an outrage. Well, I have some suggestions. You're going to hear on a lot of talk shows today, especially Bills fans or any team that has suffered from the overtime rule. Kansas City's one of them. Do you remember that? There was a Patriots game when... Uh, Tom Brady was on the Patriots, where they beat the Chiefs in overtime, and Patrick Mahomes never got to touch the ball. The Patriots won the toss. Tom Brady drives down the field, scores a touchdown, game over, they're out. And now Kansas City had the chance. You work so hard for home field advantage. You want to play at home. This weekend, it didn't matter. The Chiefs are the only home team that won, which is crazy. And it's all about a coin toss. So people on Twitter are saying the MVP of the game was the coin. The LVP of the game, least valuable player, was the Bills captain, who I thought was Josh Allen, who called tails. It is a 50-50 shot. There's no VIG. There's no house advantage. A coin flip is a straight 50-50 shot. A game like that last night was ending on a 50-50 shot. I like my odds. If you told me that the Kansas City Chiefs had a 50% chance of winning the game with 13 seconds left and down a field goal, I would have said, wow, that seems not to be true odds, but there you have it. So the Chiefs win, and here's the suggestion. If the Kansas City Chiefs or the team who wins the toss and scores a touchdown on the opening possession of overtime does score a touchdown, the game's not over. The opposing team gets the ball on the 25-yard line, third and 10. Not first and 10, not fourth and 10, third and 10. They've got to score a touchdown. There's no extra points. There's no two-point conversions. It's six points and three points in overtime. That's it. The opposing team that has lost by a touchdown in overtime, supposed walk-off, josh allen would have had a third and ten and if he scores it's tied again mahomes gets the ball no more of these kickoffs the chiefs would get the ball third and ten from their 25 and if they don't score the bills get the ball third and ten sounds a little like college sounds a little like a shootout it is an amalgam of different things that different sports do the reason why i don't like walkoffs in hockey, you have, in overtime playoff hockey, it's the first team to score a goal, but in hockey, there's no coin t- there's no, there's coin flip. There is a face-off. And how many times in overtime hockey, there's zero chance to check this, Coca. Don't bother, I'm gonna save you the time. How many times does a team win the face-off, do a one-timer from the opposing blue line, and it goes in where the other team never had a rush toward the goal? Is it possible? It's not out of the question. I'm gonna say it's never happened. It is in the best interests of the sport of football to give an advantage to the team that wins the toss and scores a touchdown, to give the other team a chance. Why? It adds to excitement. It gives you some extra commercial time. But what it does above all is it ensures that a game doesn't end without both sides having an opportunity to win. You give the advantage to the team that happens to hit the 50 50, but both teams touch the ball. I was so angry last night that I didn't see Josh Allen. It's like a prize fight. They were just going at it punch, counter punch, jab, punch. And then all of a sudden, you tie one guy's gloves behind his back and you give the other guy one punch. Hey, if you knock him out and he can't get up in 10, you win, but he's not going to be able to defend himself. So many media people said, oh, how about just a defensive play? Why not blame the defense? I hear you. There's always an opportunity in a game to blame your pitching, to blame your hitting, to blame your offense, to blame your defense. Believe me, I've lost thousands of games, and you always blame the part of the team that lost the game for you. We need a closer. We need an eighth-inning guy. Think about what you do with your favorite teams. There is blame after every game as a fan, as an executive, as players. Any sport that is not individual ends with blame. So don't blame Buffalo's defense. I have news for you. If Josh Allen wins that coin flip and the Buffalo Bills get the ball, the Buffalo Bills are going to the AFC Championship having gotten through the Kansas City Chiefs. The NFL cannot be unhappy with this week. There's going to be numbers that are going to come out and you're going to see tweets and you're going to see all sorts of things. Thoughts of the NFL's decline have been greatly exaggerated. 42 million people were watching every single game, every single moment. And I put my MLB executive hat on. And I'm watching the first game, the Bengals win a close game on a walk-off field goal on the road. I'm watching the Niners beat the Packers on a walk-off field goal on the road in disbelief. I'm watching the Rams beat the Buccaneers on a walk-off field goal. End of the game, road team. I'm watching overtime in the fourth game. The total margin of victory, little stat here, was 15 points yesterday in four games. Three, Well, Saturday and Sunday. Three threes and a six. The record for the four closest games was 18 in history. And now the new record is 15. Truly amazing. All right, what about Aaron Rodgers? How many of you were rooting against Aaron Rodgers? I wasn't. I wanted to see... Brady and Rodgers in the Super Bowl I wanted to see Brady and Rodgers in the NFC and AFC in the NFC Championship there's no doubt about it the Packers lost in the snow in Lambeau when I was growing up when you played in Lambeau Field and it was snowing in January the game was over there wasn't anything to talk about the Packers were winning the game so Aaron Rodgers loses and all of a sudden the narrative is he's getting what he deserves I have been loud, I have been strong about Aaron Rodgers and his behavior, his line to you about his vaccination status. I have talked to you about Yoko Woodley and what I think she's done to Aaron. We've talked about the difficulty in Green Bay during the off season. Will he be back, will he not be back? I had to wait to see that this would be his last year in Green Bay. But I was not rooting against him because he's a liar, anti-vaxxer. I'm immunized. I don't want to be vaccinated because I'm a doctor and I love Joe Rogan. No. I'm able to separate. I can be very upset. It's what your parents should have always told you. I may not like what you just did, but I will always love you. I may not like what Aaron Rodgers stands for or what he did, but I will not stop loving him for what he's been as a quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers did not get what he deserved. The special teams coordinator of the Packers is going to get what he deserves when he gets fired. You know what? That's a wait to see. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen, and if it happens, we'll revisit it. If it doesn't happen, we'll revisit it. There was a blocked punt for a touchdown in that game it's the only way the Niners could score the Packers could have won the game if they had stopped to run by the way but that's another story there was a blocked field goal the special teams were an unmitigated disaster I mean like a tsunami of badness of ineffectiveness wait to see the special teams coach for the Packers is getting canned I don't even know who it is and I'm sorry but you're going to get blamed because it's not going to be Lafleur but you're getting blamed for that loss. You know what? I'm going to do a two-part wait-to-see here, Coca. What do you think of that? I'm going to redouble. Can you? Can we do two wait-to-sees on the same thing? Special teams coach for Green Bay is gone, but so is Rodgers. That was the last time you will see Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay Packers uniform. You see, the Packers have a problem, and Aaron Rodgers knew it from the beginning. The Packers are about $45 million over the salary cap. Going into that game, Rodgers knew. Rodgers knew there's going to be a lot of changes with the Packers. And he came out and said right after the game, I'm not going to be part of a rebuild. I'm not doing that. No chance, toilet pants. He said, there's so many decisions. I'm going to, everybody speaks to their people. I'm going to speak to my people and then decide what we're going to do. Aaron Rodgers is gone. So let's go to the third game. Can we spend a minute here talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? First of all, the Buccaneers lost. Tom Brady was down, what was it, 27 to 3, came back to tie it at 27, and then lost 30 to 27. An insane game with fumbles. The only way they could do it was with fumbles, and the Rams kept fumbling. Cam Akers. I mean, impossible things happened in the last few minutes, allowing the Buccaneers to come back. And then the Buccaneers defense for whatever reason. I was going to say Carter Caps, Coca. Who is that receiver for the Rams who won the triple crown? Most receiving yards, most receiving not Carter Caps, but it sounds like it. Oh, Cooper Cup. <laughs> was that close? That felt close to me. Carter Caps was this pitcher we got with the Marlins. Who was like seven foot seven and had this crazy delivery where his foot detour, where his foot would come off the rubber, and which is illegal, you have to maintain contact with the rubber when, when you're a pitcher. And by the time he delivered a ball at 98 miles an hour, he was so big with his arms so big that it's as though he was throwing the ball from three feet in front of the hitter. There was a season with the Marlins, I don't remember which season, he was so good. And we had opposing team managers and GMs calling us every game, calling the league, submitting videotape, saying Carter Capps has an illegal delivery. Meanwhile, they never cared when he stunk. But when he was getting people out at a crazy clip and striking people out, they said, oh, that's illegal. So people from baseball, like uh, people from the on-field operations, which is now ironically Mike Hill, They came to our ballpark, and they met with us about Carter Capps, and we had to teach him a new delivery. And with his new delivery, he was terrible. So what we really did – can we say this now, Coca? I'm going to say it. We had the grounds crew make the rubber in a way that it was hard to discern by the umpire and even the players whether or not his foot was on the rubber. So we would add dirt only for Carter Capps. But eventually they caught on, and then we really had to change his delivery, and then he was done, and then we traded him, and then he got hurt because he changed his delivery, and then I think that was it. I don't know if he's pitching anymore. So Cooper Cup somehow gets behind the Tampa Bay defense. Can you imagine? It's like LeBron James or Michael Jordan when you're down one point at the end of a game. He's got the ball and everyone parts like the Red Sea and just lets him go by you for a dunk. Would that ever happen? No. You put everyone on the guy because you say that's one person not going to beat you. So Cooper Cup gets behind the defense and they kick a field goal from 30 yards and the Rams beat the Buccaneers. And the question immediately was, is that it for Tom Brady? Because before the game, The NFL insiders from all the networks with the millions and millions of followers started a distraction by saying Tom Brady may retire. This could be his last game. Meanwhile, he signed through 2022. He signed through next year. Meanwhile, he said he wants to play till he's 70. It didn't even occur to me that he would retire. Although, looking at Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, Tom Brady is no longer a top-five quarterback in the league. Now, you're going to say that's a terrible take because he may win the MVP, but I think he's going to lose it to Rodgers. He had 5,000 yards. He had the best year of his career. Blah, blah, blah. Who would you rather have on your team next year? Brady, Allen, Mahomes, or Rodgers? I'll tell you. I think it goes Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers, Brady. So Tom Brady retiring, give me a break. I mean, unless Giselle says we're done, you're done, go home, what's he going to do? Take his kids to school? Now, if he had won the Super Bowl, it's so hard to go out on top. It's so hard for superstars to do it because you you win two in a row, and he's going to say, I want to win three in a row. So it's really hard to do. But losing like they did, I just with the injuries they had, I just don't think he's going to retire. But the part of that game that was surprising – among really every part. The Patriots, I said the Patriots, that's a fine. The Buccaneers had three personal fouls. But the one I want to focus on is Tom Brady. Do you know, do you remember when Tom Brady did the Kurt Schilling and his lip was bleeding? And the network who broadcast the game, what network was that, Coca? The network that broadcast the game, I think it was the National Broadcasting Company, they showed the lip bleeding with his helmet off, looking like a... Warrior who had come back from fighting Russell Crowe in the Gladiator. He's got bleeding lips. He got a personal foul, the first one of his career. Tom Brady, who's been playing for 68 years, next year will be his 69th year in the NFL. He just got his first personal foul, ironically on a play where he got basically a hand to the face that caused his lip to bleed. Personal foul was costly. That's for sure. So, someone sent me a question about Tom Brady that I want to get to. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. So, you want to talk to Samson? Get into my DMs at David P. Samson on Twitter. We're having some fun on Twitter. Had a lot of fun yesterday. Love engaging, love answering questions. And here was your question. So you want to talk to Samson. It comes from Half-Baked, by the way. Can you please comment on Tom Brady saying that he gets preferential treatment by referees? Yes, I would like to comment on that. Tom Brady gave an interview before the game yesterday, and he basically was talking about the fact that he there are people who think that referees treat him differently. So I wanted to mention that... Uh, superstars in baseball, superstars in basketball, and superstars in football 100% every game, every time, get preferential treatment by the referees. It is an unspoken reality of professional sports. And the reason is that when the commissioner's offices meet with the referees and they talk about a game or they talk about a season, it is very clear to all what the leagues want and what the leagues want is for the best players to be on the field for the most possible minutes to get the most possible exposure to those players for those teams because when they get to go to national broadcasters when they get to go to national sponsors when they get to talk about Rate cards, which is the amount of money you charge for certain things that go on that are associated with your sport on the national level. When I say national, that means the commissioner's office cuts deals on behalf of all 32 teams. How many times did you hear yesterday, the football games are brought to you by Inuit or Intuit TurboTax. It was not a network deal. That was a national football league had a sponsor for the divisional playoffs. When you go to that sponsor and you talk about how much that is worth, you're not just talking about the number of millions of people watching, you're talking about the matchups, you're talking about the possibility, which teams, which players. The referees know this. Tom Brady was claiming he doesn't get preferential treatment because he believes that he never gets roughing the passer calls. Roughing the passer in football is when you're in the pocket and someone hits you high, someone hits you late. Tom Brady is not what I would call, especially now. Maybe people will disagree with me at CBS HQ. I view him as a straight pocket passer. He gets the ball and delivers it quickly, he doesn't stand around much because he's not very mobile. He doesn't want to get hit because who at 44 would want to get hit? If I got hit when I was 44, I would have been in the hospital. I would have been dead. Tom Brady gets hit. But there are people who play to not get hurt smartly. Defenders are always aware. Do you know why a quarterback wears a special red jersey during practice? It's for defenders to make sure that they're not hurting their franchise quarterback. Everybody on opposing teams know, they know Tom Brady. Whether they like him or not, they're not trying to hurt Tom Brady. There's no bounty gate like there was with other teams on other quarterbacks. Tom Brady is the NFL. And he's been the NFL, I don't know, I'm going to say for decades. So do you know that Tom Brady has the fourth lowest rate of roughing the passer calls since 2015? Hmm. I've now explained it. So Tom Brady can complain all he wants, which he wasn't. People who don't like the Buccaneers or Brady can complain that he gets preferential treatment, which he does. But that's not the reason he's been successful. Here's what we argued as executives... When we played against great players which is almost every game you can change the strike zone for their best hitter no problem you can strange, change the strike zone for their best pitcher no problem you can eject certain players you can give players more latitude when it comes to technical fouls no problem but in a team sport, even the NBA, but in a team sport like baseball or the NFL, any preferential treatment towards superstars is not going to be the difference in the game. We always believed that we would be able to overcome any preferential treatment, and believe me, we'd complain about it. I may have called the league office 20 times over what I perceived to be preferential treatment for opposing teams' players, difference in strike zones, inconsistency in application of rules, but I would always know in the bottom of my heart that we didn't lose the game because of that. The last thing I want to mention about the game yesterday, when you've got a player who has been released like Antonio Brown, the one who took off his shirt and ran off the field and then was released by the Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers really were out of receivers and it really showed in yesterday's game, actually, Antonio Brown sent a tweet yesterday after the game, a Photoshop tweet of him without a shirt running off the field as he was saluting fans in the end zone. And he was holding up a sign that said, Bucks eliminated. He Photoshopped that because he wasn't doing that in the game. And that was his tweet. Antonio, I hope you're listening to nothing personal. I hope one of your agents is listening. One of your representatives, maybe a member of your family. Why, why don't you take away his Twitter? He was so clear to all of you that he's going to get signed next year, that he's going to come back, he's going to rehab from his terrible ankle injury. He's going to overcome the adversity that came with being disrespected by Bruce Arians and told to get away and then he left. He was so excited to be balling next year and then he tweets that. Antonio Brown needs to be perfect he needs to be quiet that tweet is the end of Antonio Brown's career because if there were an owner out there who had been willing by chance to give him his 20th try there's a team president and a GM who's saying that is so much squeeze and there's not a drop of juice left in the tank. We can't take the distraction. We can't take the disrespect. We will find someone else to put on our roster to be an all-pro wide receiver. Because it's not going to be Antonio Brown. The Bucks were eliminated. You're right, AB. But you know what else you should have had? A second sign, which said, holding above your head as clear as day, I'm finished. You know who's not finished, though? Any player in the NFL who's not vaccinated, who is vaccinated, you know I'd have to do a little COVID thing here, Coke. I had to. Because the NFL, before the divisional playoffs started, did something. I think it was Friday. Friday news came out after we did the show. I thought I was going to lead off the show until these crazy games. Are you ready? The NFL has a new rule. I wonder where we thought of this. Maybe they heard this on our show. No more testing of unvaccinated players. They stopped it. Unvaccinated players had to be tested in order to play. They're done. Do you know when you get tested for COVID now? On the honor system when you say you're sick. Do you think the NFL changed the rules so that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have to test? Do you think they changed the rules so that good players wouldn't have to test who are not vaccinated? They changed the rule for that exact reason. Now, they hid behind the science. But I told you the leagues were going to stop testing. I'm the one who was the biggest proponent since 2020, and this started. You need tests. You need more tests. Everyone's got to be tested. The world's changed. The information's changed. Now, if you have symptoms, test. If you have symptoms, don't go to work. Isn't that funny how it used to be? If you didn't go to work when you were sick like 10 years ago, you were looked at as a total wuss. And now if you do go to work when you're sick, everyone says, get away. Get away from me. Don't go to work. Will the NFL stop testing? Wait till you see what Major League Baseball does next next season. Wait till you see it. There will be no testing unless you have symptoms. Way to go, NFL. You got your wish. We come back, we're going to review the new Wes Anderson movie, and then we're going to talk about something that happened on the ice that is uh, hard to imagine. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following, talking to your friends about Nothing Personal. Let's keep going. If you want to see the jacket of the day, I don't think you can see, but it's Corduroy, Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, Showered and Shaved. You can also tell what show it is because I'm clean-shaving. It must be a Monday. I watched The French Dispatch, the Wes Anderson movie starring Bill Murray, Benicio Del Toro, Tilda Swinton, Swinton, Are you a Wes Anderson fan? Royal Tenenbaums, Moonrise Kingdom? He's quirky. This is a movie that is about a newspaper (laughs) called the French Dispatch. It is bizarre. Bill Murray, of course, appears as the publisher of the newspaper. This movie puts the S in strange, the B in bizarre, the O in original, and the E in entertaining. Benicio Del Toro, as an imprisoned artist, is brilliant. I got to move on. If you don't like Wes Anderson, don't watch French Dispatch. If you do like Wes Anderson and the movies I mentioned you've enjoyed, watch it right now the French dispatch I love Wes Anderson I love French dispatch Benicio del Toro is a wild card to be nominated for an Oscar which is coming on February 8th nominations come out something happened that hadn't happened in a very long time this weekend I took the collar started off this year so well in the nothing personal pick of the day I'm now 10 and 9 I took the Nuggets three and a half over the Grizzlies. There was some confusion about Friday night's pick because I may have said the Nuggets were getting four from the Grizzlies, but they were actually giving four, but then it was actually three and a half. Anyway, didn't work. Then I had the favorites, Titans beating the Bengals. Who would have thought Ryan Tannehill would throw three interceptions? Who would have thought that the Bengals would win the game on a walk-off? But they did. That's a loss. How do you not take... Tom Brady to go to the AFC to the NFC championship how do you not do it the Bucks lost 0-3 oh, we're 10-9 and nine. we got an NBA game tonight that fascinates me if you're following the NBA there's a team called the Indiana Pacers and they are mediocre with a capital M they went on the road and won a few crazy games last week they may have won in LA and in Golden State well now they're back to earth and they're playing one of the best teams in basketball with one of the best players. The Zion Williamson-led Pelicans are playing the Pacers. The Pelicans, who have been without Zion Williamson all season, two terrible teams. But the Pacers have had their moment. Pelicans, minus two and a half over Pacers. That's the pick. If we lose, we're back to 500 and we're starting over after 20 picks. All right, the show today ends with something that happened in the East Coast Hockey League. It ends on a serious note. Please don't stop the show. We want your 45-minute retention, attention, and retention. You may not have read about it because of all the different things that happened this weekend. But there was something that happened on the ice in that league. Two teams were playing each other, the Jacksonville Icemen. And there's a player named Jordan Subban. Jordan Subban is the younger brother of PK Subban, who's that player for the Devils. He's been in the league for a long time. And what happened was on the ice, there was a fight that came from a racial taunt. There was a player who basically imitated a monkey toward a black player, which led to a fight. Hockey's been dealing with racism forever. People view hockey as the white sport. They're unbelievable people of color who play hockey, great players, shouldn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter. Member is a president of a team, we didn't see color, we saw performance. What bothered me about this is that we are in a place in our country where we have been since forever and what i thought was changing hasn't and the reason it hasn't is that racism and racial tropes remember recently when someone peeled pretended they were peeling a banana and they got toward a black player and got suspended we haven't gotten rid of racists yet we must still be a generation away as a team you have to be ready for anything. I don't care if you're a minor league team. These are affiliates of your major league team. These were affiliates of the New York Rangers. Your front office has to be prepared for anything that can happen. The Jacksonville Iceman, that's the name of the team. That's the name of the team who had the player who did this. The player who's since been released might i add and they released a statement that will go down in history as one of the top 10 worst statements of all time the jacksonville IceMen are cooperating with the league review of the incident that occurred in last night's game against south carolina okay as an organization our fans partners and sponsors know our core values and we intend to make comments and decisions after completion of league review I want you to marinate on that and I want you to think in your own lives when you are in charge of people as an employer as a parent as a teacher as a coach when you've got people who are looking to you for leadership and you've acknowledged that you have taken a position of leadership, when something happens where one of your players has been caught and done something that is so blatantly and obviously racist or misogynistic or homophobic or anything else that in this day and age, we have to stop accepting We have to stop perpetuating. You don't talk about the core values that everyone knows you have, and then delay making comments. You come out immediately and say, we will not stand for anyone who wears our team colors, who sits in my classroom, who works in my company. There is zero tolerance. There is no review. There is no waiting for the league this player this student this employee has been relieved of his her or their duties hard stop we don't tolero- tolerate it we don't need a league review the statement was so bad it was so wrong that the CEO of the team had to come out with a statement the next day saying we've released the player, but we want to clarify our statement. When you have to start a second statement with to be clear, it means that your PR people and you as an executive made a mistake. A career-ending mistake in my humble opinion. To be clear, our core values as an ownership group include Love and zero tolerance for racism or any other forms of hate against any group whatsoever. Where was that? Were you just not? You didn't have the people around you? You didn't know what you were doing? What do you do in the case when the player who was making the monkey motion comes out the next day and says, that's not what it was? The player came out. His name is Panetta. I really don't want to name him, but the player came out and said, racism has no place in this world, no place in the game we love. I said to the player, you're only tough when refs get involved, and I did a tough guy bodybuilder-like gesture toward him. A bodybuilder-like gesture? How do you make bodybuilder-like gestures? If you're watching this on YouTube, I just would like to show you. A bodybuilder-like gesture is when you put your arms up like, look at my biceps or you put your arms down like you're going, like the Incredible Hulk. No one in the history of gestures has confused a bodybuilder-like gesture for a monkey-like gesture. Not even close. The attempt to try to cover up what you did because you are about to be banned, canceled, suspended, and finished after having been released, good try, it's not gonna work. Too little, too late. Here's an idea. Why don't you become a little less racist? It's the end of the show. It's just business. This is nothing personal. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do